Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DestroProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm your host, a dead man. And if you hear a weird rumbling, that's because I have my window open and there's traffic outside. Go fuck yourself. It's hot in here. Why can't we have fall weather anymore? It's just blazingly hot or bitterly cold. Because of China, obviously. I don't know. I want to blame Trump's hot air for the entire north northwestern hemisphere. No, again, that's just China, man. They're trying to make America less you competitive. Mean China. Yeah, China. China. No, you're still you're, you're still pronouncing it too well. China. Because he, he 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 combines China with vagina. China. That would explain why when he says China, it has three syllables. Yep. You know, grab China by the pussy. This started off way more political than I thought it would. Sorry. Didn't mean to. Eh, it's okay. That fucking... The racist piece of candy corn covered in fucking wood shavings and spunk can go fuck himself. But hey, it's it's been a good week for me because his friends are getting arrested. Dope. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you've got a much longer list, so should I go first? Yeah, fuck it. All right. Let's say let's so, say the common thing for for the end of yours, so we can just fucking easily transition into mine. Okay. Um. I don't know why I suddenly felt like rewatching it, but I've been rewatching and reading. A, maybe because I was reading it again, I've been rewatching Black Lagoon to see if the anime still holds up. And it does, does it? It does. Awesome. It, it, it's weird to say that because the anime is now nine years old. Fuck, it is. Shit. <laughs> to, like, to the point where I distinctly remember when this series first came out, and now it's almost a decade old. That was a weird feeling for me, and I wasn't sure. Well, I mean, okay, there's a weird statement. All the old anime I've watched recently have been Madhouse productions, so they've all at least been pretty good. Maybe yeah. not consistently animated, but pretty good. Like, Deno Coil, really good. Black Lagoon, really good. Bet Mongolian Chop Squad, not well animated necessarily, but still good. Yeah, yeah. It's... Kind of like uh, the... It's kind of the equivalent of when Production IG made uh, Cromarty High School. Still a quality product, even if it's not necessarily well animated. <laughs> Imagine if Beck actually had the budget of Cromarty High School. It'd be like a, a paper cutout singing on a on a rock track. Yeah, it'd be Ninja Slayer, the animation, the music video. Yeah, but... Uh, okay, so... For those who haven't, who don't know the progression of Black, I don't really need to explain Black Lagoon that much. It's a group of pirates, and it's kind of Tarantino-esque in its dialogue, plotting, and action sequences. It has a lot of great characters, and it's fun to watch and read. And for, like, new people, uh, we mean, like, modern-day pirates, not One Piece pirates. No, like, actual pirates, not... Yeah, they're they're in a fucking torpedo boat. Yeah. They're in the South China Sea in a in a... Island ruled by criminals. Yeah, like le- almost legit, almost legitimately. <laughs> yeah, it is like a whole bunch of fucking different criminal organizations are in that place. The most prominent ones being the Russians, because of course they are. Yeah, yeah. But for those of you who don't know, for a long time I had a tr- I had trouble getting back into reading Black Lagoon or watching it, mainly because of Roberta's blood trail. <laughs> Yeah, that was a storyline 
it was I think the previous one, right? Yeah, it was in terms of the manga before the previous before the current storyline. The previous twenty-eight chapter storyline was Roberta's was Roberta's blood trail, which I think was called Dance of Death in Spanish in, or something in the manga. Yeah, El baile de la muerte is the is, is Spanish words. Yeah, and I can't remember if uh, Black Lagoon was a bi- was a bi-monthly or monthly series. But basically imagine, if it was a monthly series, basically imagine watching Rick and Morty Season 3 over and over again consistently for two years. Yeah. That level of just grim, depressing, misanthropic, not necessarily hateful, but just distasteful. I guess it wasn't. It wasn't hateful. It was a. Ser- it was a fucking story arc about the loss of everybody's innocence. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Like, like our main, our main fucking thrust of the thing was Rock getting deeper and deeper into the horrible dark shit that's happening in Rwanapur, and then also using a literal child to try to fuck over uh, the CIA, the Triad. And a Terminator. Yeah, just essentially, he, he the only way that this could end happily in his estimation was if no one wins. So he had to play every side against the other, and because of that, a little kid at the end told him, "Yeah, you're probably just as bad, if not worse, than everyone else here." And yeah. he kind of took that badly. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Beca- because of that, uh, not only did that storyline take two years, but I get the impression it probably fucked up the writer because he took a two-year break. It feels like almost immediately after that arc ended. Yeah, kind of just like th- like this is one of those manga series that is really fucking good, but you just kind of have to hate a bit because of how it's released. Yeah, where just like nothing happened for years, and then all of a sudden he just released the tenth volume in its entirety. But luckily, I love that 10th volume. I bought it almost immediately upon its release in the West, and I loved it because this new arc... Feel- okay, that, the, the reason... Roberta's Blood Trail might be the best overall writing in terms of technical skill of the entire series, but it's the least enjoyable because it makes you feel bad for enjoying everything that happened before. Yeah, like, Black Lagoon's strength has always been that... It's able to do these like really fucking dark, heavy topics about these really fucked up characters, and be fun about it. Yeah, like that, that's kind of where like the Tarantino side of things comes in a bit. Where Tarantino writes about fucking detestable people, but you have fun most of the time watching his shit. Yeah, or like for the example, there was an episode where a former Japanese uh, left wing terrorist had essentially set himself up as a mercenary in the South China Sea and was just kind of like distrustful of any and all sides because of it but at the same time you had an irishman so screwed up on pcp and heroin that he saw a literal group of harem models in front of him as he was driving a car through enemy territory yeah he was the getaway driver yeah and then when they introduced his partner again he was in he was like in a fucking coma because of too many drugs actually i think he was dead one either way he wasn't in the story yeah, no, the way, uh, I know her name, I think I know, her real name is Shinwa, but I prefer Revy's nickname for her, Chinglish. 
<laughs> yeah. Chiglitz says, oh, he, he relaxed too much and he's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that is like, that is really racist. But it's fun. But am I wrong and that's how she said it? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Like, Again, it is it is it is having fun with detestable people. Yes. And so, the yeah, Wired Red Wild card, the most recent the current story arc, gets back to that in a way yeah. that feels like a major course correction and I'm fucking excited about that because we now yeah, have Yeah, because well it essentially feels like an extended version of what happened to Rock initially except this time with a Chinese intelligence officer who I can't tell. Does the series want her to fuck him? I can't tell. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> like, they've kind of been, like, dancing around the issue of, like, yeah, people fuck, but, like, does Rock fuck? Yeah. Because uh, oh, they've been dancing around the issue because, um... Revy. Yeah, well, that, that's, not just because of Revy, but, like, the entirety of Rowanapur has just assumed that he's been banging Revy and no one wants to mess with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... Although, I... I this this might seem wrong, but I'm fairly certain that if Rock ever did bang Revy, she would have one of those vaginas that bites your dick off. No, that is 100 percent accurate. <laughs> did you ever did you ever see um, Drawn Together, the Octopusoir? Vaguely, yeah, I think I remember that. <laughs> Just that, but it's more it's more Audrey too than like fucking Joan Rivers. <laughs> Yeah, I think the only one he could potentially fuck who isn't afraid of Revy and intentionally makes passes at him to fuck with Revy is the CIA agent Etta. But I don't... That might be worse. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that... You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. (laughs) Kind of give a new meaning to rip off, church. Yeah, but no, but this feels like a a return to form. And what me personally, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite parts of non-action bits is whenever Rock shows that his abilities as a Japanese businessman are somehow applicable are somehow applicable to arms dealing. Oh yeah, it's just business, dude. (laughs) Just like yo, I got yo, I got the spreadsheets. Let's go. He knows how to figure out who's involved with what in what capacity. He knows how, who to talk to to get information and how. And I guess that's why everyone kind of respects him, besides the fact that no one wants to fuck with him to, to not to avoid fucking with Revy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of great, just this fucking really unimposing Japanese businessman who dresses like a Japanese businessman at all times is, like... I would say, like, solid upper B-tier fucking, like, figures in Ranapur. Yeah, to the point where all of the major leaders now know who he is and respect his opinion enough to go... Let me put it to you this way. If, if Balalaika is amused by your mindset, you must be at least somewhat fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and again, he is a fucking, like... He is essentially the logistics guy for a shipping company. Yep. I goddamn love this book. Yeah, and I'm glad. Again, Roberta's Blood Trail was a nice experiment, but it was not the direction I wanted the series to go long term. Yeah, so now we're in the wild. Now we are in 
Wired Red Wildcard. It is fucking going along. Fucking new Chinese rock lady is fucking great. I'm really liking what she's bringing to the fucking table. I'm yeah. liking her. I'm liking her rapport with Rock. I can't wait to see Revy try to kill her <laughs> because it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. If if nothing else, just the only reason I could think of that she would not kill her is that they both hate that blonde hacker chick that Benny's fucking. <laughs> Because if you remember at the beginning of this arc, like, she's such a sex fiend that she was, that she threatened to, like, hire Rock as, like, a sex toy, and Revy threatened to prison fuck her to get her to leave him alone. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally, yeah, totally. That is kind of the only... Uh... Like... I am a fan of the Rock Revy relationship. I want to see Whatever where that goes. Whatever the hell that is. Yeah, I want to see where that goes. But here's the thing. It's not a good relationship. Mainly because Revy is fucked. Yep. Like, I'm not going to get super deep into the backstory for her because it it goes places. And I feel like you should read them if you're going to, people at home. But yes. given totally like no, like regardless of anything else we've said, read Black Lagoon or watch it if you haven't. Everything up to about I think volume eight is covered in the anime, which is twenty bucks for the whole thing. Yeah, twenty thirty bucks for the whole thing. Totally buy that. <laughs> yeah, Roberta's Blood Trail is like a separate OVA thing. I think. Yeah, which I think is like ten bucks if you want. It, I think it's worth watching once. I don't want to watch it long term. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, on to other things. Um, I feel better already. Yeah. Uh, still reading Exterminator. And I, I just I mentioned this to Dead Man as I was talking about it. Uh, the art for this series is always what I expect, even though the story can constantly keeps upending my expectations. Yeah. Yeah, and I totally get where you're coming because from with that. Because particularly the most recent chapter... I get the impression that kind of like Kota Hirano, this is this artist's first in, uh, adventure in something that's not pornographic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. That makes sense. Because he is too good at stuff hen- that's hentai in a series that is very not hentai, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like up until now, like we're four chapters in right now, and in the first three chapters there was nothing like this no and then all of a sudden Certain, like no, just, it's suddenly tentacle rape and then just oh i will raw dog fuck you just to stick with you and to the point where the uh, the main character is honestly shocked it's like lady i have met you like for 10 minutes <laughs> yeah although i will admit um komoro might be one of my favorite uh isekai protagonists ever <laughs> yeah, because he's not a he's not a sociopath, but the degree he's like, guys, come on, just I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, just he is. He like, is. Det- I want to do my job. I want to make money, and, and uh, like his new goal is to figure out things about because he's they kind of lightly drop that he is not the first to be drawn to this world in the way that he was. Yeah, and he's like, okay, I got to figure out about other other worlders, but to that, I need to improve my my uh, 
adventurer rank and explore more. And I, as much as I like these two slaves that I inadvertently ended up with as people, I can't carry them around with me, and they need to have their own lives. <laughs> yeah, like he is. There are moments in this in these uh, in this series so far where he is almost as detached from like being a person as a regular isekai protagonist. Of just like, it was like him, it just clear, like not giving up. Yeah, but they make it clear that it's not that he get, doesn't give a shit. It's that is that he doesn't really care about things. Like it's like like th- that stuff is stuff that is beyond him. Yes, like he is an exterminator. He does his job. He has his friends. He hangs out. He hangs out and does stuff like that. But end of the day, he is an exterminator. He is there to do his job. Everything else is just kind of in the way of him doing his job. And he does it so well that people get annoyed at him. It's like, God damn it, don't kill that many goblins. Yeah, yeah. Just, I can't wait to see this fucking late. I can't wait to see this Adventurer's Guild fucking receptionist to get freaked the fuck out at how good he is. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're a class athlete. Oh, you can't be all that good. Level 70. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. He is already 15 levels higher than the guy who defeated the, the fucking legendary final hero boss. Level of, legendary hero level adventurers. But he, but and I love that he said to himself, I, I'm not, I'm not a combat person. He don't give I a fuck. I don't have the mindset for combat. My idea of combat is put a enhance symbol on my clothes so I don't get hurt, and then just kind of poke someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. He is like hands down the strongest person on this fucking planet. And he don't give a fuck. And he's so strong that he makes other people strong around him. Like one of his former slaves, he gives this sword to, and he's like, Well, I can't believe you bought this at a bargain bin. It's better than some originals. Oh, it's not strong enough? I can be sorry. Dude, don't give me an artifact level sword. That's going to make me uncomfortable. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, this is. This is almost reaching the level of, like, the fucking manga uh, I want, where it's an East Guy story about a fucking bard. Just, like, some stupid, powerful support character. Yep. And it's fucking great! I yeah, goddamn I'm love still, this. It like, is, again, like, I, I wish there was not the, the hentai art. Yeah. I wish that was not there. Like, I thought it might go this way, based on, like, a couple of the ways they shot the, the, the lizard girl. Like, I thought there was the potential for some, like, etchy stuff. I didn't expect it to go full hentai. <laughs> yeah, like, like when, uh, like when uh, Sarah, the, 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 uh, gecko, the gecko tribe slave, uh, when, when she kind of first gets introduced, um, she is introduced in her underwear trying to fuck Komura. And basically saying, don't worry, you don't have to think about it. I'm your slave. I want to do this. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, and this, like, go to sleep. And then he muses, am I a loser for not fucking my slave? Yeah, I love that moment. Particularly when she's like, hey, Comer, what's a, what's a loser? And he's like, oh, fuck. He's like, ah, just don't worry about it. Go to bed. <laughs> but yeah, no, sleep, I, sweetie. I really like this series. I just wish that... Is it weird to say I wish there was no porno art? Yeah, hopefully... Hopefully going forward they don't do that. Like I actually just looked up the artist. Okay. Uh he has not worked on any porn. Oh, he cl- he, he clearly wants to based on this. But... 
Yeah, but he was the artist for the manga adaptation of Robotics Notes. Okay, um, that doesn't necessarily... There was not that much pornographic content in Robotics Notes, and I don't know what from the anime they adapted. That's one of those weird instances where they made the anime first and then made a manga, I think. Because the anime came after the game, but the anime came before the manga, I think. Yeah, the other series that he has listed that have um, Eshi in the tags are a super long fucking title that I'm not going to try to pronounce. I'll just read the English title. The Mage will master magic efficiently in his second life. And then another one called um, Miss Marka Kokuku um, Monogatari. Also called The Emerging Story of Ms. Marka, which is one word. Okay, whatever. Yeah, both of them look kind of fucking stupid. Or yeah, boring. anyway, I still, I still like this. I'm going to keep reading it. Uh, I, I hope it, because like, I hope this is not like a high school of the dead situation where a serious story is undermined by how pornographic the art content is. <laughs> and again, it's just that one fucking scene. Yeah, like I hope that I hope that's an outlier. Like the art, the art is needs not to bad. Be. The, this artist is good. I really like this artist. Yeah, but dude, keep your head out of your other head. <laughs> yeah, just I don't Draw know. Draw porn I elsewhere. I don't know if it was the artist or the writer though, because the writer had to sign off on it. Yeah, I guess I don't know. And I this is another one of those ones where it feels like it could have been a. Um, a light novel first. I don't know if the light novel was more pornographic and the writer has just been trying to work around it. I'm checking. Uh, so, from what I see, this is not based on a light novel. Okay. And this is the author's first work. Okay. Because, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if I've told you this story. I'm going to keep it quick because I want to just move on. But High School of the Dead, it feels like a war of two minds. Because the art and the writing are done by two different people who were brothers. <laughs> Where the writer was someone who in Japan was known for writing actual, legit, like, alternate history, sci-fi, sci-fi, alternate history fiction stories. The brother just draws porn. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is why it I, that the tonal... At oddsness of High School of the Dead is so evident, whereas Triage X, which is both written and drawn by the porno brother, feels like it at least knows what it is. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. Uh, and unfortunately, okay. this year the writer, the writer brother, passed away. Just passed away. Yeah. So, but uh, anything, we, anything else that happens with High School of the Dead is all porn. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. But considering the fact that the fucking thing was has been on hiatus for years. <laughs> yeah, the last chapter was uh, the last chapter, according to MangaUpdates.com, dot com, was released two thousand four hundred twenty seven days ago. So, Christ, almost eight years ago. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just. I don't get anything out of this, but uh, no, no. Exterminator's great. You should read it. I hope that the artist can keep it out of his pants. Yes. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, okay. 
I was trying to think, uh, still reading, uh, Shokugeki no Soma, which I just realized how long that this current story arc has been going on for, like the last <laughs> 70 chapters. It, yeah, it, it has. I, I hope this is the ending, because this feels like it, it's been going on forever. It has to be. <laughs> it is, it is literally, it is literally the goal all the characters have. Like, yeah. um, unless it fucking, unless they like just fucking, Go to the next thing, and then it's like, "Hey, welcome to fucking Shokugeki no Soma Act Two, where they have to play street ball now." Yeah, and I mean, I can respect Shokugeki no Soma because the writer for this series before did nothing but doujinshi, and now he's in one of the most popular shonen series in Shonen Jump, so I can respect that. But I feel like he's run himself into a corner in terms of ways to progress the story. So. Yep. Yep. Now it's just. Explosive fucking leaps forward in everybody's cooking seals because it's been established that the elite ten, the fucking dudes, what run the dudes what run the school, both figuratively and literally, uh, they are so above everybody else in terms of cooking that it's impossible. Yeah, like they haven't even fought other third years, and now first years are beating the elite ten. <laughs> yeah, because they learned about potatoes on a train. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying that's this a, finale. Yeah, that's from a, about it. That's like I'm only enjoying this finale from the perspective of developing characters that I like, like Takumi's. Like Takumi beating Azon was fun because I because Azon is clearly that villain you want to hate, and Takumi was always one of my favorite side characters in this series. Yeah, and I love Megami also. So this current set of people. I'm having fun watching do their cooking stuff, but th- he needs to wrap this up. I know it's going to be Soma versus T- versus first rank elite ten, but yeah, they like, need odds. To- it would not surprise me if it was Soma if it was fucking Soma versus elite ten and Arena's dad. Yeah, somehow. I don't. I don't know. Like fucking Arena joins like, I, I, in. I, I, let me ask you this. Do you think that the series wants Aaron to fuck Aaron to to fuck Soma? I like now because like they, it's weird. Like with, with a lot of these series, they will set up like a coda at the beginning of the series. Like hey, th- like hey, yeah, this is the stated goal is this thing, but then the like actual goal is this other thing. The stated yeah. goal is have Soma be the bestest cook ever and have him live up to the name of Food Jesus. And then the substated goal, which his dad says in the first fucking chapter and the like the second episode or something, is he needs to get himself a lady who he can cook for. Yeah. Because it isn't because it isn't until you start cooking for love that you're able to cook real good. Yeah. And it, and given Arena has now figured out the connection between the cook she admired and Soma, she's constantly stuck in that that weird mindset of, oh, he's the son of the guy I wanted, kind of wanted to fuck as a kid, but I also hate him, so I'm probably going to end up hate-fucking him if yeah, it totally. ever happens. <laughs> and given the way they use food, shit going to be spicy. Yeah, probably. But yeah, uh, okay, so let's talk about, okay, so I only really have two other things I really want to talk about. So, let's get... The other thing you and I both read, so we'll end on that. But let's get the other thing out of the way. I read, I watched one more of the new series from this season, 
on Cora's recommendation that it was incomprehensible and he's right. <sighs> Dis ire. Okay. Okay. So when I heard about this series, I knew it was going to be crazy. When Cora told me about the series, I figured it was going to be crazy. I didn't think I was going to have trouble following what's going on to such an extent that by the time the first episode was over, I was not only asking where is everybody, but when is everybody. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's super. So this series has an episode zero. Because of course it does. Yeah, that sounds um, fucking amazing. That that can only go well. Set in World War Two Germany. Oh. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Fuck it. Why not? And okay, so I guess I have to talk. It, it, the World War Two Germany stuff appears to be a flashback because the first thing we see is. A giant, like, Nazi Castlevania castle in the sky, piloted by a ridiculously Aryan guy with long, beachy, long, beachy hair. Is Tanya in there, too? No, not as far as I can tell yet. Uh, But he's stepping down off the castle via the dragon steps into modern-day Japan, which for some reason is also called Shambhala. And there's this blue-haired Japanese guy that is clearly set up to oppose him. Sure. And then Alucard shows up. And then we flash back to World War II Germany, where uh, this the 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 swishy bishy guy I was talking about <laughs> is set up as like uh, he he has some he has hired this guy who was on death row who had predicted that someone was going to exec- try to assassinate the Fuhrer. As his, like, personal assistant? Sure. Yeah, fuck it. And then we cut to a scene where some random mutant guy is attacking Nazis in the street when he is suddenly attacked by a trap person, by which I mean it's not clear whether this is a guy or a girl who had had just finished um, biting a guy's dick off and throwing a knife in his back. As you do. And then they just start fighting, and in the middle of this fight, the guy who had been killing Nazis before just kind of grabs a gun out of the hand of one of the Nazis, who doesn't really oppose him. He's just like, hey! Alright, that's my gun. Give it back, you butthole. Then we cut to a Nazi party where all the Nazis are telling Swishy Bishy guy that, hey, you're the savior of the Reich. No. I... I'm pretty sure that the Reich had fairly strict guidelines about bishis. <sighs> like, I'm just going to throw that out there. Like, yeah. not, like not to... I just kind of realized that I'm saying something in favor of Nazis, and I should stop. Whatever. This, is, this makes as much sense to Nazi Germany as, say... Um... Bacchano does to gangster era US. Okay. Yeah. 
So the Sweezy Beachy guy is told that something is up, so he leaves the par- He excuses himself to leave the party to take care of whatever it is. And then three women, random women we've never met before who introduce themselves as the three Valkyries show up and say, we are going to aid you as your swords. And he's like, whatever. And then so he leaves with his advisor slash truthsayer. And even though he takes a car, and as far as I can tell, the Valkyries don't, they somehow get to the fight before he does. They're Valkyries. They got fucking wings, right? That's how Valkyries work. Not as far as I can tell. As far I as haven't I seen tell, Thor Ragnarok yet. Yeah, we're gonna we're both gonna fix that. Yeah. Um. Then there's this random guy who can see the future who is hanging out with this buxom chick with a uh, monocle. Who says that you're doomed if you stay in this park? Yeah, we don't again, really know why that is. This is sounding like what if fucking Kota Hirano took a bunch of PCP. Okay, so the the fight between the trap person and the guy who was just killing Nazis in the street has moved into this park, and two of the Valkyries start fighting against the two people that were fighting each other, and are getting their asses kicked. Until the Bishi Swishy guy shows up, and when they when both of the Valkyries say you're too important to the Reich, let us fight this fight for you, he just backfists both of them and knocks them out, and then proceeds to beat the shit out of both of them, out, out of both of the monster people who are fighting each other. Cause sure, yeah, fuck it, why not? Yeah, and uh, the truthsayer wizard person, who's I think his name is Carl Kraft, whatever. Of course, it uh, is. tells Swishy Bishy guy, who has some ridiculous German name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, that Swishy Bishy is fine. You're too powerful, and you are in the wrong era to use all of your power. So you're just going to be bored. I will cre- I will help you direct yourself to a time and p- time period. Where you will win, where you will find someone who can force you to use all of your power. So Swishy Bishi guy then assembles both the people who are fighting each other and the Valkyries and a team of other people as like a a super powered Nazi death squad to kill both Nazis and American and like Allied soldiers because despite the sheer number of Allied soldiers, we see them slaughter. Somehow everything played out exactly the same, and Germany still lost World War Two. Yeah, fuck it, why not? Shit. And then we cut to modern day with the blue-haired Japanese guy that we saw at the beginning of the previous episode, who has a thing about being scared of blades, and has this friend of his who he used to fight with a lot who has just disappeared. Uh... He goes to a blade. He, he's for, br- dragged to a blade display by his best friend, who clearly wants to fuck him. Whatever, uh, and he has a psychic nightmare about a guillotine where uh, this woman who has had her head cut off at some point and stitched it back on starts singing a weird, stupid nursery rhyme that is clearly just exposition. I am so is confused, it- and I could not give less of a fuck. So you're about where I was watching this. <laughs> the 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 nursery rhyme in question is something like blood, 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 feed the guillotine some blood, or something to that effect. 
Uh, the decapitated person uh, uh. calls the main character Cagliostro, uh. which doesn't mean anything to me at this point. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, all of the German, like all the Nazi super people I saw at the end of the previous episode have now assembled to conquer Shambhala, which appears to be Tokyo, and somehow the main character is involved in this. Yeah, it is stunning how much I don't care. You're with me. Yeah, this... I don't know what the hell this is. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, the way A&N described it, the first episode promised something that might be interesting. The second series promised something that no one gives a shit about. That's about where I am. That's Alrighty why I said then. I'm not gonna, I like after two episodes I'm like, well that was a thing. Nope. Was it a thing though? It was a thing, just not a good thing. Okay. <laughs> is your next thing a good thing though? Because I kind of think it is. It's an okay thing. It's an amusing thing. If it's an else. idea of a thing. Like it, it is a thing that is a thing that has potential to get legs. Yeah, possibly. Um, okay, so this series is, uh, I can't remember what it's called, like Tondemo Isekai de Skill something. Tondemo Skill de Isekai Koromeshi. Yeah. Which, according to my anime list, uh, translates as, regarding the display of an outrageous skill which has incredible powers. Sure. In case you can't anyway, tell from the fact that it says isekai, this is an isekai story. Okay, so the way this series, the way this series starts, uh, the main character is summoned with like two other people, three other people world, actually, three three other people. I couldn't remember the number. To, to, who and they're given magical abilities to help save the world. And as far as he can tell, his ability is useless for the intended purpose. Well, also the fact that he was summoned by mistake. Yeah, yeah like I the, the, if that the was true or not. yeah, like the initial thing is that like uh, they at, like during the hero summoning, it's like we've summoned you, the three warriors from another world, to save us, and there were four people there. Yeah, and he's like, um, I don't think I should be here. Yeah, like, like same. <laughs> yeah, like he, like the the people, like the king and queen. Are there? The king is like fat as fuck. They are just fucking blinged the hell out, and they're like, "Our cunt, like our country's in horrible ruin. We're running out of fucking money. We need to save it from the demon country." And he's like, "You guys are fucking sketch as hell. Can I just like get like a couple bucks so I can leave?" Yeah. And he does, and discovers and his magic ability is Amazon. Yeah, it, his, he has the ability to summon people. Well, not su- summon items essentially through a on a magical online server that only he has access to, and he uses these to cook like everyday modern items from our world. But the thing, uh, but he then ends up using them, and he discovers that in this world, okay. So he starts kind of part not partying but like he teams up with like a bunch of people to escort him to Yeah, he hi- yeah, he hires the people to get him out of the country. And through, what through he, the adventurers guild. And what he discovers is that the food he cooks not only is awesome, 
but makes everyone more powerful. Yeah, it gives them gives them stat buffs. And this comes in especially handy when his party, after a day of adventuring, is attacked by a legend. Well, not attacked, just they encounter a legendary creature. They Fenrir. encounter a legendary god beast, Fenrir, the god, the the the, the, the all powerful god dog, who says, "This smells good. Make me some." <laughs> <laughs> And he At does, point, and, he Fenrir does is like, and, and Fenrir is like, fuck yeah, this is good, all right, form a contract movie, fucker. Yeah, to which they're all like, um, what? <laughs> it's like, yo, dude, you better do it, I don't want to die. Yeah, and so he does, and the rest of the series up to this point has just been him wandering around on his own after his initial teammates finished the job of escorting him to the next town. On the, it's like, essentially, Finmir doesn't give a shit as long as the main character feeds him. Yeah, and so their, <laughs> and so their arrangement is, is uh, so, main, so main guy, um, Mukuda, uh, he joins a merchant's guild and an adventurer's guild, so he's able to, like, tra- so he's able to, like, move between towns easier, and he's also able to, like, do quests to go out and make money and stuff. So he does some, like, very low-level quests, like, you know, just finding, like, medicinal plants and some shit. While Fenrir, uh, Fenrir goes out and hunts legendary and really high-level beasts. Yes, because... Okay, so on most occasions, uh, um, the main character will use uh, weapons and stuff. It, well, he will use a food ingredients from this world, but cook like using spices and cooking stuff from his own world to make it better and to use recipes that only he would use because he knows them. Yeah, like 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 but, he uh, like he gets like, you know, like fucking like a rock bird as they call it, which is like this fucking giant dodo and then he just oh, he like orders on Amazon like some fucking like sweet and sour miso or whatever the fuck it is and makes like fucking meat on rice or whatever the fuck the meal is called. I don't know a lot about Japanese food. Yeah. But on the one occasion where he ends up using only ingredients he summoned summoned through magical Amazon um, he accidentally gives a legendary god beast such incredible stat boosts yep. that he that the, the the god beast essentially goes, "Well, I am super powerful right now for some reason. Let me go kill some shit." <laughs> yeah, he gives them plus five thousand to every stat. Yeah, and, and, and then considering they- on like uh, previous occasions, bef- like just using his normal abilities, he had hunted I- I- enemies in the area to near extinction. At this point, the main character, the main character's like, okay, I have to be careful what I feed him because at this point, I could just fuck myself. <laughs> yeah. I really like this. I, I like this just like I conceptually. Enjoy it. It, it conceptually, it's fine. Uh, it's not. It doesn't have a story, and it doesn't do anything all that interesting up to this point. Yeah, but to be fair, we are seven chapters in. Yeah. I mean, I like the rapport between him and Fenrir, where he's like, "Guys, shouldn't I be worried about this?" I don't fucking care. Just feed me. <laughs> yeah, just, just he's like fucking having ideas. Like, wait, so fucking are there wars happening around here? What's going on? It's like, dude, fuck, I, fuck you, feed me. <laughs> he's like, all right, fucking fine. Just sit down and make some fucking stir fry or something. Jesus. Yeah. And just everybody else's reaction to the things that are happening to him, and like he has no idea what the fuck is happening. Like, like so he, so so there is a there is a some currency conversion happening here. 
Like he gets like a fucking like five pound thing of salt. Yes. Just, just like a regular bag of salt. It costs him a silver coin. He then, he then goes like, hey, I have some like extra stuff I want to sell to the guild. So he goes and sells. So he goes and tries to sell it. And the person's like, hold on a second. Let me just get the guy who runs this fucking guild. And yeah. he and he's like, hey, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I'll buy that salt from you for like fucking 10 gold coins. And then eventually just he upsells himself to 1700 gold coins. Yeah. Because he discovers that the salt he can order from Amazon essentially for free through his magical ability is so pure and high quality that even though buying salt that he could get in this world is relatively cheap, selling salt he gets through magical Amazon is ridiculously rare and everyone wants it. <laughs> yeah, because again, he's in a he's in a fucking medieval fantasy world, so their like process for making salt is pretty shitty. Yeah. And like the, the fact he, that the salt he, he, was like, white, he, and, like everyone's gonna wonder, like, what the hell is goiter? And they're gonna be wondering why their throat's swollen and no longer is after they start using his salt. <laughs> yeah, like the fact that his salt is white is a selling point. Which just yeah. I so the yeah, past fucking um, sucked. Yeah, the art in this is fine. It's very sketchy. Yeah, it's it like intentionally so, but like it, beyond that, it's just it, it, besides the sketch the sketchiness of the style itself, it just feels kind of generic. Like, okay, it's a little not bit bad. It's just it's just kind of there. I'm every mostly once, in this for the writing. Every once in a while, Fenrir is able to look just like fucking adorable for being a five person sized wolf god. Yep. But like, there's a point where he just eats yeah, spaghetti. Yeah, so instead of a boy and his dog, a boy and his alien, a guy and his wolf god. <laughs> yeah. And their food cart. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, that he joins the he joins the merchant guild specifically so he can get a food cart. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm looking. I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of this. I. I want to see where this goes, because, like, they do have ideas. There is a world here, and there is, like, a story happening. It's just not happening to him right now. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, there's, there's several, like, another series I read where it feels like the story is going on around the main character's Goblin Slayer. Because there is an ongoing fantasy story about this character, but the main character in the most recent chapter, when he, the the guild associate asks him to her office and said and he and then says uh, by the way this has nothing to do with guilds with goblins he immediately walks out until she says please don't leave yeah 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 totally also so, something i didn't notice until i went back and reread the first chapter i don't know if i mentioned this last time we talked about this series but i didn't notice that the guild registration form was a D fifth edition character sheet I didn't notice that either. I'll have to look at that up. It's weird. I have to notice things like that. Like, in the most recent Goblin Slayer chapter, they make a joke about um, the guild representative wanting Goblin Slayer to date her. And it, the the image she conjures in her head of them going out to lunch is him saying, do you want a sweet roll? <laughs> I mean, to be fair... <laughs> The fact that Goblin Slayer came up to her and is like, hi, something not goblin related. That's a major step forward for him. <laughs> and their relationship. Uh, well, I mean, what's funny is in the same chapter, uh, the elf chick 
got too much had too much alcohol and just passed out in the back of a cart. And the Goblin Slayer tells a joke, and it shocks her so much she sobers up. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because again, <sighs> he's growing as a person. One day he might even fight something that isn't a goblin. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I don't know if you've ever been on a on a manga reading site where they have sukomis, where people comment on the manga they're reading. But there's this one page in the most recent chapter where he, where the elf, this elf uh, scout imagines trying to fight Goblin Slayer and getting bashed in the face. And someone wrote, oh, I'm sorry, I thought there was a goblin on your face. There's <laughs> <laughs> actually something else that I kind of, like, really enjoy about the series in terms of... I don't know if you've noticed, people listening at home, but we have a terrible time remembering character names. Yes. What's good in this is that most characters that are important don't have names. Yeah. They just have their jobs. Yeah, that's the funny thing about... Literally, Goblin Slayer, everyone is just their type. Yeah, like the Elf Scout is called the Elf Scout. Yeah. The dragon, the dragonkin shaman is called the dragonkin shaman. <sighs> yeah, Goblin Slayer's fun. Yeah, I'm glad you started reading it. I thought you might like it. Yeah, I really do. It. Yeah, it just. It scratches. Not, it scratches the D and D itch yeah. for me. Yeah, it, it scratches the itch of. Oh, this is fantasy, but it's it's not. What's weird is, despite the archetypal nature of all the characters, it's not generic fantasy. No, it. I'll, I'll say. I actually say this. It feels like D and D. Yeah. Because like, at a, at a certain like a couple chapters ago, we actually went to the outside world where we see that this is literally a D and D game. Yep. So yeah, I, I feel like that now. So <laughs> I feel like we're going to pointed out the nature of this. <laughs> so I feel like we're going to get to the end of this, and it's going to fucking pull out and reveal that the entire thing is actually a D and D game, just like yeah. a real D and D game. And it just gets to the end, and just like Goblin Slayer, we see his real face, and it's his and it's his fucking player character who is like, I had a very specific backstory. And I'm going to play into that backstory until I fucking die. Yeah, or uh, they're going to pull a Lego Movie twist. Where Goblin Slayer talks talks to his character creator and is like, "Dude, why am I saving the world? I should be fighting goblins." Yeah, yeah. He just like he like goes. <laughs> there's like one chapter. Just like the characters, like the players come back. It's like, "Hey, do you guys fuck with my character sheet? I got stronger somehow." Yeah, I am curious about the Sword Maiden because, despite the fact that she's the Archbishop, the writer clearly wants her to be. A temptress, based on her design. <laughs> like the like the sluttiest archbishop I think I've ever seen. What you don't know what the archbishops into? <laughs> Religion here might be different. Uh, you don't know. What's going to be weird is if the if the if if the archbishop if starts hitting on Goblin Slayer in front of the priest who respects her and wants to fuck him. He he's pr- he's probably into it. <laughs> I, I meant the the girl who asked him to take his mask off, but his helmet off. But I, I'm I'm aware. I'm okay. pr- I'm pretty sure that they're into it. Anyway, uh, so you have a long list. Yes, I do. 
<laughs> and let me start by saying, God damn it, released the newest fucking chapter of Goddamn Shield Hero. Oh, really? Has it been a long time since the last one? It's been over a month. Oh, really? It's a monthly series, and the raw is out there. Oh, that's insane. It's just that's not unusual. being translated. Which is so shitty, because like, it's supposed to be a monthly series, and yet the way they release it, they release a new chapter every six weeks or something. All right, and well, it is goddamn frustrating, because they are at an interesting point in the goddamn story. So do you want to talk about Shield Hero or Not really. I just want to say that I just want to say that bit of one time scans get your fucking shit together. Okay, so what do you want to talk about? Uh so let's talk about a another Isekai series because I found out because I fell down another Isekai hole. It's weird how much we are sick of Isekai but we keep falling down them. It's because they're the new series. Like a new one gets released every fucking day. And we want to look, and we want to like fucking look at the new shit, so we have new things to talk about. Yeah, despite the fact that Japan, Japanese uh, manga publishers have said, "Okay, if you're going to do a, a new series mm-hmm. for potential consideration for Shonen Jump, you can't do Isekai." The editors over at Shueisha are doing the Lord's work. <laughs> uh, anyway, so this one is called. Ooh, okay. Yankee wa isekai desei ni arsaramasu. Okay. So, there's a guy. His name is Zero. Because of course it is. And he's a Yankee. He's, you know, a hooligan. A rapscallion. A bad kid, if you will. Not necessarily because he tries to. It's just, it's just his face is super fucking scary and he is like and he's like really good at fighting people so one day while walking around outside of school he sees a kid about to get hit by a truck because of course he is so zero runs and grabs the kid and fucking chucks him and saves him but dies because he was hit by the truck because of course he was that's the guy story uh he then wakes up in a library where some fucking nerd is like oh shit you died well that kind of sucks um i can reincarnate you if you want you know, like in a different world where ma- where magic and shit exists. And before he has a chance to actually agree to anything, uh, the guy who calls himself God is just, all right, yeah, so I'm just going to do this, put you over here, and I'm also going to give you the ability, you're loved by fairies. Just, you know, in case you need it. Peace. Then trap doors him down into this fucking fantasy world, and he ends up in a cave. Surrounded by tiny little chibi dudes. All of them who, all of them who have these weird little bonnets on. And they're fucking adorable. And so he spends, like, fucking five days living in this fantasy world, not leaving his cave and the immediate forest area outside his cave. The first time he does go out, though, he meets a lady. Her name is Grace, who he calls Gusu Uyaki. Because English. That's hard, right? I don't know. So yeah, Grace is specifically looking for fairies. She wants to meet a fairy in order to form a contract and get magic. Because the way magic works in this world is your average person has some level of magic. Not much, but some. If they form a contract with a spirit, then then their magic increases like many times over. Because fairies, they can't use magic. 
but they're able to generate a stupid amount of mana, which when they form a contract gets channeled through a person. Depending on what kind of magic affinity you have, that can determine the type of spirit you get. Assuming you can get one. Going into town, Zero fucking saves a merchant. And so the merchant is, so the merchant who's a blacksmith is like, hey, let me give you something in return. So he makes him a mithril pipe. And I mean like a fucking like iron pipe, but but it's made of mithril. And for those that don't know, uh, mithril is a regular fantasy fucking metal. I don't know if it was created, but it was used in the fucking Lord of the Rings books. It is an incredibly lightweight material that is many, many times stronger than most other metals. So now fucking Zero is just walking around with this fucking mithril plumbing thing, just beating people with it. And yeah, I... I like this. I li- I like this idea with specifically Zero being this character who has sub- like from the looks of it, just kind of like almost unlimited access to. He's essentially walking. He's a- he essentially walks around with an army of miniature nukes. Okay, all of whom are fucking adorable, <laughs> and he can essentially and he can essentially like decide. Given that he is friends with all these spirits, given he's friends with all these fairies and whatever, he can essentially say, hey, little buddy, why don't you try to go be friends with this person and essentially like bestow great magical power upon other people. And again, I am super into Isekai stories about support characters. Yeah. And that's basically what this guy is. This guy is just a really good fighter, but in a world where fucking magic exists, a fancy pipe can only get you so far. And Grace even fucking brings this idea up. Just like if just like once he once uh, she learns that he can fucking speak to spirits or fairies or whatever the fuck they are. I'm just going to keep calling them fairies because I get fucked. Sure. Like, whatever. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> yeah. She she's like, all right. Yeah. So just don't tell anybody you can do this because. If you do, you probably get kidnapped and forced to make contracts between people who are just total dickbags and who will, like, mistreat your fairies and do horrible shit with their magic. So he's like, good call. But as it is, I... This has even less of a story going on than what is happening in the fucking Amazon series. Well, like that one, I at least get a sense of like this bigger world outside of outside. Like I, with that one, I get like a bigger world outside of uh, Mukuda and Fenrir. With this, I don't seem to see a world outside of Zero and the people he interacts with. Like, uh, like, like he meets Grace and then Grace is like, hey, I want to get a spirit. Then she gets a spirit. Then they head back to Grace's hometown where it turns out she's a fucking princess. And I don't know where it goes from there outside of just random quests that don't really have any connection to anything other than, all right, yeah, so we need a plot now. So quest time. Let's fucking do this. Uh, Like art wise, it is not terrible, but nothing special. 
Okay. Uh, like, like backgrounds look fine. Characters look fine. Spirits, like I said, are fucking adorable. Because all of them are able, like, all of them, depending on the element they have, they all have, like, different kind of bonnets on. Like, ones that are, like, more Earth-based have, like, like bonnets that look like rocks. All the fire ones have, like, a bonnet that has, like, a little pom-pom on it that is made of fire. Some of them have, like, really, some of them have, like, SD-style cartoon faces. Other ones look like really, have, like, really detailed people faces. But on these little, like, tiny bodies. So it's just, like, this little fucking, like, doll with a... With a cartoonishly realistic drawing of a face on it. And I just kind of like that design for these guys, for these guys because when, when Grace initially describes what spirits are, she sees them as essentially imps, just like, just like, or like, or like nymphs or something, just these very elegant spirits that these very, these very elegant beings that are made up of the element they are. But then we look at, but then just Zero looks over and sees one and it is, this little tiny fucking doll thing trying to climb inside a bowl of soup. And what's great is this super violent, super intimidating dude whose weapon is, again, a pipe, sees them and is like, y'all are fucking adorable. We're going to be friends. Like, his initial reaction when seeing them is he has to look away because he starts blushing because of how fucking cute they are. Which is an endearing fucking character trait. Like, they could have just made him just fucking delinquent Yankee dickbag. And, yeah, and for a good chunk of it, he kind of is. It's still just use K or metal bad again. Yeah. It could have been that, you're saying. Yeah, he, he could have just been that. But instead, there is this other aspect of it where it's like, oh, this, is, this thing is fucking adorable. I'm going to be friends with it. And like the way the way these dudes fucking form contracts is they just like walk up to a person and then it's like, hey, you want to form a contract? And they just fucking boops their snoot and then they're and they're buddies. And so just just like multiple scenes of just of zero, just looking at these little tiny dudes with a giant smile on his face, just really fucking sincere, just like boop, and then they're, and they're buddies. But yeah, this needs plot. This needs to get like an actual story. Because going forward, it seems like it's going to be largely based off, like, character stuff. And even with, like, the endearing character trait of, even with the endearing character trait of, like, fucking Zero and his shit, a lot of the other characters don't really feel like much to me. Okay. Like, Grace is, Grace is the princess of this fucking whatever. Sorry about that, a little bit gassy. And... She she wants her family's approval, which is why she went out to go get a spirit in the first place. But then when she gets back, her dad's like, you fucking dumbass. What the fuck were you thinking leaving? Going to find a fucking fairy and form a contract? Get fucked. Abandon your dreams and do what we tell you, you fucking bitch. Uh, meanwhile, her sister is a siscon. Oh, goody. <laughs> and the plot going forward seems to be Zero helping the older sister get on good terms with Grace because cause back in the real world, because back in the regular world, Zero had a sister. Wasn't on great terms with her. And he doesn't want to see the same thing happen here. 
And there's a maid who is like super fucking maid like whenever Grace is around. And then whenever she's not looking, she's fucking flipping Zero the bird and shitting in his tea. Of course. Yeah, so just there are more so than in more so than in the Amazon series, which is what I was going to fucking call it because I'm not going to call it by its full fucking name. I'm not fucking crazy. Okay. But more so than in the Amazon series, this is kind of just ideas. Like they have the character of Zero mostly mostly figured out and his relationship with other people. But then the rest of the world feels really underdeveloped in a way that's going to hurt the series going forward unless the writer is able to flesh things out a lot more and is able to get an actual story that has actual stakes in it. The only way I can see this going forward with any actual conflict is just a random string of quests, and then Zero gets kidnapped and forced to make contracts with spirits with other people. At least with something like the Amazon series, I can, I can, I can tell that there's a world outside of what we're seeing, and I can, and I feel like that world is eventually going to fucking like collide in with collide in with the story that we're following, and it will actually feel like a thing. Like a thing happening. It might just be wishful thinking, but that's what I feel with. That's what I feel like going forward with these two series. Okay. Less of a less of a that though is a Isekai series that, based on the reactions on Reddit, appeared to be something up my alley. Because a lot of like a lot of um there are a lot of posts on the manga subreddit that are like, hey, I'm looking for an Isekai story that doesn't suck dick. And one of the ones that keep one of the ones that kept popping up was Re Monster. I've heard the name, but I've never read it. From the outset, from the outside, it looked like something that I would be interested in. Because it is about a super hot popular guy dying and then being reincarnated as a goblin. That had potential. They fucked it up. Super hard. So for starters, the world that our main character is originally in is already a fantasy world. But a future fantasy where people have superpowers and genetic sur- and like fucking cybernetic surgery and shit has gotten to a level where you can just where if you don't like superpowers you have, you can just get new ones because of surgery. And this guy had the ability to steal powers from other people by killing and eating them. Okay. So it was a guy who was super hot, super powerful, all kinds of awesome shit. Then he gets stabbed by then he gets stabbed by a girl. I think it's Stalker or something, and then wakes up as a goblin baby. Okay. And he still had, like, all of his intelligence, as well as the ability to absorb powers from other people by eating them. Okay. And so, when he is born, he gets a buddy. That buddy's a dumbass, but he's really strong. So the two of them begin hunting, and he uses his superior intelligence because of the fact that he's not actually three days old uh, to be able to hunt things using tactics. 
So the two of them, so him and his buddy, begin leveling up and crafting items and getting weapons and other stuff. Then they get another girl buddy in there, and they start fucking hanging out and leveling up. And and for a while there, like, an idea behind this that I was kind of into was having somebody who was traditionally super hot being turned into a goblin. A traditionally not attractive character type. But in this fantasy world, goblins work like Pokemon, where once you get up to a high enough level, they evolve into a more evolved form, which is a hobgoblin, which is just a hot person with slightly green skin. I'm not going to lie, Deadman. I don't know how far into the description you are, but the more you say, the more interest I lose. Yes, you should. So we get further and further in. His buddy becomes a hobgoblin as well. And then their and then their lady friend becomes a hobgoblin as well. They, the rest of them are out hunting and teaching hunting tactics to their goblin horde. They then find a group of human ladies, aka the harem, and it's not even like fucking being. This makes other Isekai series harems look subtle. Do the women just flat out say what roles in the harem they'll play? No, it's just they hang out for a bit, and then all of a sudden, he is spending his time in a webbed-off section of the cave with every one of them. Okay. And because he has fucking awesome endurance because of all the people he eat, because of all the creatures he's eaten, he can fuck all of them all night long. They'll get the next day and be totally ready to go. I almost want you to stop talking about this, dead man. I'm having a hard enough time staying awake without you talking about this series. And what's even worse? Oh, good. 95% of the dialogue is internal monologue from the main character. Oh, Lord. (laughs) So this is... That's a level of ego stroke I don't really see much. Yeah, so it is fucking... It is tell-don't-show... From a colossal, from a colossal narcissistic shitbag, who at one point has the realization, like, like, like he he spent like his he spent his entire goblin life growing up with his buddy, and then when they are both hobgoblins, he's about to become an and he's about to become an ogre, because that's because that's the evolution that goes goblin hobgoblin ogre. When he's about to become an ogre, he. He's like, I realize now that this buddy of mine isn't just a tool. He isn't just a fucking tool. He's actually a really good friend of mine because he's strong and I can use that strength. He is a rival of mine, even though there is literally no way he can ever beat me. It is infuriating to read this. It is a distillation of everything I hate about Isekai. I'm glad you're getting an emotion at least out of it, Dead Man. I'm just too bored to care. Just from your description, I'm too bored to care. Yeah, and that is totally fine. That is a that is a totally appropriate response to this. So please talk about something it's good just, or I... something better. Something okay. Please so this is not worth anyone's time. I'm sorry. No, don't read this. Okay, then talk about something that's at least worth discussing, please. Ow, no flag. Blue flag. Yes. Okay. 
So this is a this is a slice of life high school romance thing uh, about three main characters: uh, Taichi, Toma, and Futaba. Um, and Futaba. So Taichi and Toma are childhood friends. Uh, Toma, it, yeah. So Taichi is just kind of a regular dude. Doesn't really have much going for him. Nothing. Nothing super interesting about him, but nothing super terrible about him. Toma is fucking big dick awesome. He's like fucking ace of the track team or football team or fucking whatever the fuck sport he plays. Baseball? I think it's baseball. Baseball? Baseball sounds right. Fuck it. It's baseball. Well, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, he is the best at sports. Everybody loves him. His fucking ladies are swooning all over him. His dick's made of gold or some bullshit. And so while Taichi is just kind of like going on, just doing his regular school stuff, hanging out with his nerd friends, Toma is hanging out with all the popular kids. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, fuck, Toma's awesome. But Toma is still trying to be friends with his buddy, Taichi. Uh, one day, a girl sitting across from him, uh, Futaba, uh, comes up and talks to him and says, hey, I'm interested in Toma. Can you help me fuck him? And then he's like, yeah, this always fucking happens. You know what? Might as well. Let's do this. So he kind of begins helping her out, um, just kind of talking to her about what Toma's into. And then he begins developing feelings for her. So he has feelings for her. She has feelings for Toma. And then something that is hinted at throughout the series and that is actually revealed in stuff outside of the series, Toma is in love with Taichi. Okay, that's a interesting enough dynamic to work with. And it works. I think it works really well because it, this is a this is a series about these characters. This is very much this, this is this is very much like well, that. You would this, hope that's true. Yeah, this is all about their fucking dynamic. And what's even cooler with it is that it is about their dynamic in their final year of high school. So this is the last. So this is kind of like the last year they can actually do this kind of shit. Before they have to go off and be adults. You were an adult in college. Um, this is this is this is graduating from Japanese high school. Ah, I see. Yeah, not North American high school. I'm 25 right now, and I'm still not an adult. I'm spending my fucking weeknights hanging out on the internet with people from New Orleans talking about bullshit. I love you too, man. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I I'm really digging this. It is a it is interesting having like this kind of dynamic. Like this is a dynamic that we haven't that is something that we have seen before to an extent. Like we've seen love triangle stuff before. Maybe not this cyclical a love triangle. But we have okay. seen like but we have seen like stories about love triangles before and how that can destroy friendships and stuff. But A has never been with a with a dude being in love with a dude like this before, like outside of fucking boys love shit. And it is, and it's, it's very rarely in the final year of high school. So that kind of adds like a, almost a ticking clock element to some aspects of this. Because all of them are going to go off to their own fucking colleges and stuff. And I can tell you to an extent from my friendships in high school, I'm not friends with anybody from high school anymore. I mean, I am, but only because essentially 
outside of a couple people, most of my friends from high school are media horse people. Yeah. Yeah, but like that that's the, like you guys had like a fucking connecting thing. This was like, yeah, so we'll we'll stay, we'll stay buddies right after fucking high school. I think one of them is dead now, and I don't know for sure. Like that guy was one of my best friends in high school. We hang out we hung out fucking almost every day, and I don't know if he's alive right now. But yeah, I am into this. It is uh it is just shy of 20 chapters in right now. And they've been doing like like that it, it is kind of ruined for me that I know that Toma is into Taichi because in the story they have yet to like out and out say that. Okay. There've been is it, like Is it obvious or that that I because I know it, I'm able to like I'm able to like read a more read a bit more into things than normal. But if I were just going in totally blind, I would be getting an idea of it now. Like it, okay. it, would, it, would, it would take a, it would take a few chapters going in, but there are some very clear signs that something's up that nobody seems to be catching on to. Okay. I mean, I've encountered. There's another series I'm still watching this season that I still think is is slow, but I'm still enjoying watching called. Uh, Recovery of an MMO junkie. Yes, I have heard great things about this. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a pretty good series. But the 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 rom com element of it is that this woman in her thirties just quit her job because it was literally causing her such immense stress that in her dreams, all she imagines when she thinks of her job is a bunch of faceless people in masks marching into an incinerator and jumping in. Yeah, that sounds like work. Yeah, especially so, Japanese work. After she quit her job, she got into this MMO to kind of help her deal with her stress levels and to relax. And so she's playing a male character, and she's kind of falling in love with this female character in the game who we learn in the real world is played by a man who she has run into in real life. But only in the fourth episode does the main male character kind of guess from a con from context from a conversation they're having in the game that I think I've met this person. Yeah. And that like idea that's that idea sounds really fucking cool. Yeah. So maybe you should watch it. I probably I am, should. I'm still watching it. It's, it's just kind of slow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah. I don't know if I is, I think it's solid. If you're into like slice life, romance type stuff, which surprisingly I kind of am. Whatever. It, yeah, it is pretty solid. Uh, speaking of solid slice of life kind of romance shit, a silent voice. I have heard nothing but good things about this series, and based on the premise, I can kind of see why. It is very good. Okay. Our main character is kind of a monster, though. Okay, from what I understand... Okay, if, tell me if I'm wrong about this. The main character... Okay, so the main character... Um... Is a kid in middle school who at the, at the start of the story who bullies the deaf chick. Not middle school, primary school. He's in grade six. Okay, so end of elementary school, but who who bullies a disabled chick? Yes. But as a result of how he acts, 
he kind of loses, he, he feels like he's losing the ability to interact properly with the rest of the world to where everyone, it, it, as I understand it, everyone is kind of, he, when they talk to him, he kind of can't, He he's not really hearing it or something to that effect. Uh, so, so how it works is, um, so yeah, main character, uh, a new, a new girl moves into a school, a new girl comes to a school. She's deaf. Uh, he initially does like the thing of like, he's going to yell next to her ears and see if she reacts. And then it escalates from there to the point where every day he steals her hearing aids and destroys them in front of her. And she commu- and she doesn't know like sign language or anything, or like nobody else in the class knows sign language right now. So she has a little like notebook that she writes stuff down in to talk to people. And it is a bit slow and a bit cumbersome. So he regularly takes that book and throws it into the pond. Yeah, sounds pretty monstrous. Yeah, and so he tortures her to the point where she has to switch schools again. Because she initially switched schools due to bullying. And then after that, everybody in the class began bullying the guy who was began bullying the main character. Because, hey, it turns out if you act like a monster, people treat you badly. And so because of that, he lost all his friends, was being bullied super hard, and he kind of just developed this apathy towards everybody where every person he saw had a big X over their face. Okay, yeah, I, I thought it was it's like there was some, he was having tr- so much trouble connecting with people that somehow, that like, they physically didn't look like people when he talked to them or something. I remember that aspect. Yeah, they, they were still people, they just didn't have an identity to them. To him, okay, yeah. Yeah, so like, so like he was kind of he was like kind of able to recognize like, hey, I went to I went to go with that person. I know this guy. I know this guy, but he couldn't tell you anything about them. Okay, because he doesn't because because he, he didn't connect with anybody, and it was a problem going into high school. And once he was in high school, he happened to be going to the same high school as the deaf girl again. And over that and over the years since he saw her, he learned sign language. Really? Why would why would he have learned sign language? Uh, because he realized he was being a horrible, shitty person. And if he ever saw her again, he wanted to apologize. Okay, that's an impressive turnaround of character. Did this happen off screen, or did this take several chapters? Uh, this happened over the course of years that we didn't see. Okay. Because again, it's grade 6 to high school. Okay, fair enough. And yeah, so he meets her and actually gives her back. Like he actually, like the final, like like the last day before she fucking moved, he had thrown her. He had, he had like taken her fucking communication notebook and thrown it into the pond. And then after all kinds of horrible shit began happening to him, he realized, oh wait, I'm a monster. I'm going to learn ASL, American Sign Language, in order to like fucking apologize to her, and then also give her back this book that I've been holding on to because I'm kind of weird about it. So she does uh, give it back. So he actually does give it back to her, and she opens it up to the page and says, "Hey, I want to get I want to get to know you guys better and hang out." So the two of them start hanging out, and a relationship is developing that is kind of fucked. I would assume it kind of has to be given the nature of their background. No, but here's actually the weird thing: the deaf girl holds no ill will towards her main character for this. Oh, Jesus, she's one of those saintly main characters. <laughs> yeah, 
mainly because she's been in love with him since sixth grade. Why? I'm not 100% sure. But it turns out that while he was bullying her, the bullying against him had already started. And people were, like, fucking scraping on his desk and shit and, like, writing stuff and being like, oh, you fucking dirtbag, go kill yourself. So he was already a victim of bullying before he started bullying her? No. um, In... Over the pro- over the course of the semester or year or whatever, where he was bullying her, the other students began to bully him. Oh, okay. So, it- but he didn't notice it because all their bullying was relatively passive aggressive and not like super direct at him. And anyone and anything that was kind of like directed at him, like you know, on his like personal effects, she was she was erasing it before he could see it. Oh, jeez. Like, student, like, the students will, like, take chalk and write in his desk, like, hey, go kill yourself, fuck ass, you're fucking terrible, I hope you die in a fire, dirt bag, fuck you, asshole. Over over lunch break, while he was out there, like, being a fucking dick bag, whatever, she was erasing all of the horrible graffiti that they the other, the other students had written on his desk. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah, and so, going into high school, she's still in love with him. And he is trying to make, and she's trying to make amends, and... Is beginning to develop feelings for her, but refuses to like let them be, but refuses to accept them as real feelings because he doesn't think he deserves any kind of happiness. So he's so he's one of those characters who was such a monster and realized he's a monster that he now has trouble being a normal person. Yeah, at this point, okay. Yeah, and so over the course of the series, he begins to open up a bit more. He gets a best friend that kind of looks like Minetta from fucking. My Hero Academia, if he was more fat. Okay. And they start hanging out. Um, the, a super popular guy at their school begins hanging out with them when when the Mineta guy's like, hey, let's make a fucking movie. That way you'll make friends. And I, I guess I can't fault that logic. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it works. It, it, it sounds like such a stretch, though. <laughs> And yeah, like he kind of begins like a somewhat reconnecting with a couple of kids from his past, uh, like a like like they, like there were a few students that he had went to he went to elementary school with who knew who he was as a person back then, and kind of like them, kind of like him seeing them and reacting to them having a relationship with the with the deaf girl, as well as him reacting to their reactions to him having a relationship with the deaf girl. Okay. It all just kind of goes as this weird, like, cascading effect of just people reacting to each other being horrible monsters. Okay. And it's interesting. I I really dug this. I dug all the character interactions with each other. Uh, my biggest problem with it would probably have to be the ending of it, though. Oh, it already ended? Yeah, it's over. Okay. It ended a couple years ago, I think. I wasn't sure because like it just got the movie adaptation, which I could see, but I'm not driving two hours across the lake just to see an anime movie. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, it is. It's a very. Do you care about spoilers? Not really. Yeah, it's a fucking blue balls ending. They end it before you get what you want. So is there no resolution? 
So, so what happens is uh, they spend their they spend like their last year in high school together or whatever. Just kind of hanging out, doing whatevs. They make their movie, uh, which they which they submit to a local film festival, and the guy running it is the poshest, dickiest fucking guy to to be the judge of a local film festival I've ever fucking seen. Oh, good! It's like the critic. For, it's like Jay Sherman is. Doing high school film festivals now. <laughs> oh, it's even worse. I'm pretty sure this guy has a beret. Oh, Lord. French Jay Sherman. <laughs> yeah, and so he's like, oh, go, you can all go fuck yourself. Your movie was terrible. And they all go off on, the, and they all go off on their own. Years later, or, or like some amount of time later, they get, uh, they, uh, deaf girl and main guy, they meet up again uh, at their elementary school reunion. And as they are going into that to, like, see the horrible things that are awaiting them, they hold each other's hands and walk through the door, representing them going forward in life together. But that's – fuck. They never – there's never any kind of, like, tacit consummation of their actual relationship. I'm not, I'm not asking, like, see, see them fucking. But just, like, hey, do you want to go out? And then she says oh, yes. So there's, oh, so there's never even a point where, even though the series is all about their developing relationship, they never just say – Hey, should we be in a relationship? And they say yes. There's no, there even that. Yes, the one moment where they could have done that, they play it off as a joke because the deaf girl can't speak very well. Well, that's irritating. <laughs> like, like, there's a point where, like, they're like kind of like just like just like, hey, we hey, we hung out today. I'm going home. Bye. And the deaf girl screams, "I love you." But because of but because of her deaf speech impediment, it, it comes it's out. out. It sounds like I. It sounds like I love Moon. And he's like, "What the fuck? Why would you do that in a serious series?" I just read a legitimate joke series that pulled that same joke essentially, where a character confessed her love to one of the, to a girl confessed her love to the main character, but she, her native accent slipped out and she slurred it to such an extent that the only that hit sat to her, he said she said I love you, but all he heard was. Olive, olive juice. Not every series can be ore monogatari. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, 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 as from what I understand, even with the occasional comedic moment, Silent Voice is selling itself more as a drama than anything it, else. It is very much a drama. So when you have legitimate like sitcom jokes, that kind of annoys me. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I totally get that. That is kind of the only, like, sitcom-level joke they have. Okay. And for the most part, the rest of it is able to... They, they do have, like, some of their more more outrageous gags, like, specifically with the Mineta-style character. But for the most part, things do play itself pretty seriously. Like, there is there is drama in there. There is... Like serious moments happening in there. There is a point where the main character almost dies. Like he, like he's hanging out at the fucking fireworks festival with his friends or whatever, and the deaf girl decides to go home. And as she goes home, she's about to kill herself, I think. And so he fucking dives out, grabs her, pulls her back up, and then as he's pulling her back up, and she grabs onto the railing, he flips over the railing and falls into the lake below their fucking banister. Okay, well that's a, that's not qu- that's not quite as bad because that's like taking a ridiculously dark moment and kind of cutting the edge off a little bit with 
a slightly comedic ending. That, no, that can happen. It's, it's not slightly comedic. It is like played seriously. Okay, it's like he actually gets hurt or seriously yeah, he, injured as a result he, of this. He's in a coma for a couple days. Oh, okay. Never mind. I misinterpreted what you were saying. Yeah, it's it's not, it's not like don't worry, I got you. Whoops. That's that's what I thought you meant. My bad. <laughs> no, it is. No, it is. He pulls her up. She grabs hold. He fucking loses footing and goes falling over. And he's like. Wait, what the fuck's happening? As the girl is just fucking screaming as he's falling down fucking three stories. Okay, yeah, that's different than what I thought you were saying. And then he is pulled out of the fucking water by the two kids he used to hang out with in elementary school who were two of the worst bullies to him. It's a big fucking thing. Okay. And I found it Really interesting. I just got blue balled to fucking death by the ending. Just motherfucker. Do something. Yeah, this this seems like sounds like one of those series where they're like, oh, we don't need to actually tell you that they get together. We can just sort of assume it. Yeah, like fuck you, bitch. I I need the payoff. I need them. Fu- I need him fucking signing. I love you or whatever. Yeah. I need. I need or, her or you, to be able. To, I need her to have her some, fucking. You need some. You need some jackass from across the street, street saying, "Kiss her, you fool." <laughs> yeah, I need some fucking like. I need some fucking like Helen Keller fucking like run her hands under the water style moment. Of just like she, of just like she's like fucking like I love you, I love you, I love you. He's like, oh, I fucking found what you said. Finally. I'm sorry for any deaf I'm sorry for any deaf people or friends of deaf people who are offended by this. Well, that was yeah. the closest approximation I could think of. Yeah. No, that that sounds like the story for the most part was handled relatively well. It just didn't give you that final catharsis narratively that you wanted. Yeah, exactly. That can be kind of annoying in the long it, it I know people like, oh, you can't judge a whole series by the ending, but the ending, particularly of a narrative series, often informs how you feel about the rest of it, unintentionally. So, yeah, I don't know why they would just, like, leave it ambiguous like that. From what you've told me, nothing about it feels ambiguous. It is not, at all. So that feels like a weird artistic style choice that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It does not. All right. Yeah, other than that, the series is pretty all right. Okay. It is a very emotional series. You'll be able to get some fucking feelings out of it. Uh, they have solid. They have solid like character beats happening with like a lot of like a lot of characters. Like even the side characters get a get a decent amount of catharsis out of that out of some of the shit they do. A lot, a lot of side characters are interesting, especially like. One of the more interesting ones and kind of my favorite is the deaf girl's sister. And just seeing how she changes over the course of the series and interacting with the guy who made her sister want to kill herself. It. It's good. A sound of voice is good. Also pretty good. Something else to start to start reading. Uh, the Morose Mononokian. No series I've heard of but never read. 
Yeah. So, main guy, his name is Ashia. Uh, his full name makes him sound like a girl. So when he becomes a new student at the school, everyone thinks he's a girl until he shows up. <coughs> and so, yeah, first day he goes to school, uh, he gets possessed by a demon. And the demon uh, makes him feel like, gives him like horrible fatigue and makes him feel like fucking super sick and shit. And then one day while he is in the nurse's office and the demon is kind of hanging out with him, he sees a flyer saying like, hey, free exorc- hey, exorcisms, call this number. So he calls the number. And the guy assumes that he is there for a job interview as he leaves the nurse's office and walks into a tea shop of, or something. And so he – and so uh, it is revealed that uh, th- this guy that he is ha- talking to, Ab- um, Abano, uh, he is an exorcist. But he doesn't exercise demons for people's sake. He exercises them for the demon's sake. Because as we learn in this kind of immediately, demons have feelings too, dude. Like the reason that, the reason that like this demon had been – had latched onto Ashia is because Ashia was the first person to show this demon any kind of like kindness or empathy. And so he latched onto him, wanting to play with him. But Ashia didn't fucking cotton onto this and was like, oh, so you're basically a dog, but you're making me feel kind of shitty because I wasn't playing with you. But then he does. The demon shrinks down to normal size, and Abino sends the demon into the afterlife. Into the underworld, which is just a. Which is just like a city for demons and shit. Uh, after that's done, um, Abano's like, all right, so yeah, that'll be 2 million yen. He's like, and Ashia being a high school student can't pay that. He's like, all right, so you're going to work for me until you pay it off. And the series from there is, um, Ashia and working as Abano's, um, exorcism assistant. As he learns more and more about demons in the underworld and their interactions with people and, Learns about Abino and the Mononokian, which is the shop that they're in. Because the Mononokian is a building, is actually specifically a room that A, is sentient, and B, exists kind of outside of reality. Where the master of the Mononokian, in this case Abino, is able to just like summon it to any door that he sees. Goes inside, and then it connects the real world to the underworld. And so he uses that to get clients, basically. Anybody who wants an exorcism, they can come talk to him. And then demons uh, from the underworld, if they have something they want to do on the material plane, then he does it for them. And it's cool. I like this. It For a while there, it didn't really have much of a plot. It was kind of like an episodic thing and exploring just Ashia getting more and more involved in this world. But going forward, it seems like the plot is going to be more political than like any kind of like save the world kind of thing. Because in the underworld, uh, we learn about the power structure of the underworld where there are three people that are in charge of everything. It is the legislator, the justice and the executive. <coughs> the legislator is in, is in charge of the Mononokian and like relations with that stuff. Uh, he sets laws and rules and shit. Um, the justice in the justice enforces those rules. Uh, the legislator is a is in charge of the Mononokian and is friends with Abano, and like gives his approval of Ashia. The justice she enforces laws and makes sure everything stays in the up and up, and she thinks Ashia is all right. 
Um, the executive hates all humans. Just straight up. The first time he meets Ashia, he turns into his horrible demon phoenix form and threatens to straight murder him. And actually almost does murder him because his presence is so imposing that Ashia stopped breathing. Ah, okay. And that seems to be the thing going forward is a political conflict between the executive and the legislator. Because the legislator is like, yeah, fucking humans. They're a bit dickish, but, you know, they're all right. They're all right in terms of shit. Like, he is friends with Abano, and Abano is the first human master of the Mononokian. You know, the executive is like, hey, human, fuck you. And yeah, this is, I really like the series. Okay. Yeah, Ashia is a very sympathetic main character. I, I am enjoying seeing his fucking, like, trials and tribulations getting into the demon world. And just seeing some of the shit he has to go through. Like, the first time he goes to the underworld, he almost gets his arm cut off because a fox demon stole a turnip. It's a big fucking thing, but I, it was, this is kind of like fun little thing. Uh, they're, they're able to use, uh, there's a lot of humor going on with him, like, especially just humor at his expense. And I feel like my voice is giving while I'm talking. <laughs> Okay. My throat really hurts, and I guess like that combined with the sound of my head, sound of my new headphones that I guess I'm not used to yet. Yeah, I don't know. I don't fucking know. <coughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Abano is a really good comic foil to all this. Like he is very much a all the comedy is almost at the expense of Ashia from Abano, and. The two, of them, the two of them work as a pretty good double act. Um, Fuzzy, the little demon that uh, he first met, he becomes a regular character. And he is just fucking adorable. The Mononokian, it talks through like a wall scroll in like a little cove. And the house is, and the building is just great. The room is a really cool, the room is a really fun character. She's really nice. And yeah, I just really like this. I like where this is going. I like this. I like this more political, almost kind of story thing. Like it, it doesn't seem like it's going like super fucking like Game of Thronesy political. But the fact that it isn't just fucking, we're gonna fight using our awesome powers against demons and shit. It's not that. It is just demons are people too, and we're gonna hang out and be friends. They introduce a character um, midway through midway through where the series is right now, which I think is like. Psst, 60 or so chapters. I think. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, let me just double check. Oh, sorry. 50 chapters, not 60. 50. Yeah, they're about 50 chapters in, and things are actually starting to get. Things are actually starting to pick up a bit. Um. Uh, Ashia is beginning to like develop a begin to like unlock powers that um, Abano has, and it's starting to like it's starting to get this idea. Like they've been talking for a while that Ashia is a dangerous person to have involved in the in the business of the Mononokian. 
And for a while, I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about. But now they're actually now they're actually getting into it. It seems like I'm. It seems like they're they were kind of right. <laughs> yeah, I really want to see where the story goes. It's got solid writing, really good art, interesting-ish designs for the demons and stuff. Like none of them are fucking like super groundbreaking, but they're able to have like at least memorable designs. Like I'm able to remember. I'm able to remember more of the demons in this series than they, than um, than I'm not able to, which I think says something for the art design. Yeah. Uh, moving on. I took another stab at reading Doctor Stone because once again I heard a bunch of people going like, "Oh, Doctor Stone's fucking great, dude! It's super cool and interesting." In still now, still now. Like, so it started out as an ensemble kind of thing, or, or at the very least, a do, or at the very least, a dual protagonist kind of thing. We had science guy and dumb guy. Like, uh, like both of them were able to survive, and like, so for those who don't know, um, this series was a this series is a relatively new series. It has thirty four chapters out. Uh, it's in Shonen Jump, and it is one day the world. Every human being on the planet turns to stone. Then thousands of years pass. And one of our main characters, who's dumb, wakes up and he's like, he's like, oh, fuck, I'm conscious. And uh, or like he's been conscious the entire time. Like he like when he got turned to stone, he was confessing to a girl that he loved. But before he got a chance to, everybody got turned to stone. And so he stayed conscious the entire time by saying, I'm going to get out of this fucking stone and go protect the girl I love. And then I'm going to tell her how I feel when I figure out how to turn her back. And he did that for thousands of years. Before eventually, before eventually getting out. And when he does get out, he realizes that his best friend, the science man got out a few, got out a few months before he did. So these two bros begin Going around, um, they eventually discover how to dis- how to like unturn somebody into stone, like turn them back into being a person. And one of the people they bring back is the strongest primate high schooler, as they call him, who begins going around destroying statues, aka murdering people, because he believes that the- that uh, that Earth being turned to stone was a great culling. That he will be, that he will, that he, being the you know pinnacle of whatever, will decide the future of humanity. Whereas science man's like, go fuck yourself. That's really stupid. Yeah. So, <laughs> at a certain point, um, science man sends dumb one and the girl to go be spies in his growing empire. Meanwhile, Science Man will go around and try to find and try to like either thaw or find people to build his own empire to oppose him, to oppose murder student. And the entire time he's doing this, he is just like filleting a science textbook. Just every other word out of his mouth is science. And it is super boring. Sounds like it. 
like, you remember when I talked about a golden Kamui a couple of, a couple weeks back? Vaguely. Like, the interesting idea that got muddled with this, with very detailed descriptions of what's happening with this one very specific, ori- like, aboriginal Japanese culture. Yeah, I think I vaguely remember this now. This is kind of like that, but for science. Oh, goody. Like, a... Th- they, they do what they can to try to, like, spice things up by having the art be, like, super over-the-top and exaggerated, so it's like a fucking gag comedy thing, almost, as these two dudes are generating electricity with magnets. But it just doesn't work. It's still like it's still like sitting through a visually interesting lecture on physics. Yeah, that doesn't sound particularly interesting. <laughs> yeah, and Senku himself, science man... He's just boring. His entire thing is his haircut. Yeah, I I gave up on Dr. Stone. I'm not going back to that ever again. Okay. Uh, after that, um, I got two more chapter ones. So first up is something that I talked about. We talked about a bit before. Uh, and it is now being officially serialized, Golem Hearts. Uh, Golem Hearts was a one-shot that we talked about a couple weeks back, and now it is officially serialized. It just had, its, it just had a chapter one released uh, this week. And yeah, it's still all right. They changed things up a little bit. Um Instead of our main golem guy rolling around the world, just kind of doing whatever as awesome golem man, uh, instead he is hanging out in his hometown with his with his dad, and the two of them are like, "Hey, don't worry, we'll help you," and just fucking up. Like, like one guy, like one guy's golem, like gets his arm broken off, and the guy and the dad is like, "Don't worry, I'll fix it." Draws a little like golem art, like fix, like repair thing on it, and then ends up shrinking the golem down to like fucking three inches tall. And then, and then, like, uh, and the the golem that we follow around, I think his name's Noah. He's like, "Hey, don't worry, I'll help you move this stuff." And then ends up destroying all the shit he was supposed to move. He's like, "Whoops, sorry about that." And then just leaves. And he's like, "Oh, you fuckers! We hate you, buttholes. Stop being weird." Which is something I actually find. It, I actually kind of find that an improvement. I like that character bit of just. This golem is like super helpful and wants to help everybody out. He's like super smiling all the time, but he's just the fucking worst. It was more interesting than he is golem Jesus. But yeah, as it is, I can't really say much more about it with a until I get more chapters out of it. But for right now, it's I'll be reading a second chapter. If that says anything. Uh, the other new series I started reading was Full Drive, a new sports manga about ping pong. Eh, it's it's all right. It's it's not it's nothing spectacular, but yeah, I read this. I mean, it it could be something interesting but it hasn't gone far enough to be sports series need a long time to get good yeah even the good ones 
Yeah. Unless you're Haiku, and that was fucking great by the first episode. Um, I fucking love the first episode of Haiku. I liked the first episode. I didn't love it immediately. It took a little while for me to love it as much as I do <sighs> now. Anyway. Uh, so I have one last thing to talk about, but I'm I need a glass of water. So we're going to take a quick break while I do that. And then we'll be back to talk about the motherfucking Kings game. And we're back, everybody. So, last time, I talked about Kings game, the animation. (coughs) It was a fairly nondescript, kind of boring death game. That had one kind of interesting concept, which was that the main character, this is his second time going through this death game. There was not like a prequel for this or anything. It was just, we go in to somebody's sequel. Then I watched the second episode and, oh boy. So. To recap the first episode, Nobuaki, a new student, transfers into this classroom where everything seems to be hunky-dory. The girl sitting next to him is super into him. All the people are, like, nice and shit, and everybody's not dead. Then one day, everybody gets a text message saying, you you have all entered the king's game for the king's first order. Nobuaki and that nice lady gots to kiss. Otherwise, they'll be punished. Naturally, everybody's like, oh, you fucking weirdos doing this shit. Fuck off. Meanwhile, Nobuaki is about to shit himself. So, first day, they... So so they fucking do the kiss and everything's fucking great. Uh, then, all the other orders go out. And... Ten of his classmates of the 22, or like ten of, like one third of class, just instantly dies. Because they don't do the order, and they all hang themselves. Because apparently that's what punishment is. Hang yourself. So he gathers up all his classmates and tells them all, Hey, yeah, so the King's Game is real. I've lived through it before. We all need to work together. We're all going to fucking die. But they, the class being stupid, are like, Wait, everybody in our class is dying? It must be you, person who warned us about this. I'm going to murder you. And one person explodes into a pool of their own blood. Going into the second episode. (sighs) Sounds like a bad Saw sequel. It kind of is. Going into the second episode, um, once that once actually been like fully confirmed, like oh yeah, this is the thing that's going to be happening, and we're all going to fucking die unless we do what we're told. Um, a guy is one of the orders is for a guy in the class and the nice girl to fuck. So that guy starts, you know, making a move on her. It's like, oh, you let me feel them sick gams, girl. We're going to fucking do it. And she's like, oh god, no, leave me alone. And she just fucking kicks him square in the chest, rips off her own shirt, and says, hey, take off your pants, fuck boy. We're going to do this here. 
totally changing your personality to a different person. Then with her shirt off, still, uh, takes Nobuaki into the woods where she tells him she hates him and wants him to get out of her sight. Then throws her shirt at him and says and starts screaming, saying, oh, God, he tried to rape me. So the rest of the class begins beating the shit out of him. Uh. Then, then a classmate who didn't, who didn't, uh, who showed up late comes, saves Nobuaki, where he begins telling him the backstory. And we cut to the first series that didn't exist, where we begin to see some more of the death games that happened previously. Where uh, it is, it's amazing. It's the first order. We Weasley little dude and a hot girl in the class have to fuck. Unfortunately, the hot girl has a boyfriend and the boyfriend says, Hey, if you fuck, I'm going to kill you. So they, so the class just kind of goes about things as normal. Just like, yeah, it's just a fucking joke, right? Totally not going to happen. Even though two of their classmates have already died. They're just like, Oh, it's just a fucking coincidence. So, Shortly before midnight, everybody gets the text message, obedience confirmed, meaning they fucked. And the next day's orders are given, and Hot Girl's boyfriend is allowed to give an order. And it will be accepted as an order by the king. So, so, he orders the guy who fucked his girlfriend to hang himself. Which is retarded. Because, like, they get the text message, you must hang yourself and die or be punished. And every punishment we've seen so far is is the person hanging themselves till they die. So his options are, so, so the ultimatum is, you will hang yourself until you are dead, or else you'll be punished by being hanged until you're dead. It is amazing how fucking stupid that is. Yeah. And what's even more amazing is the fucking animation that Nobuaki gets as he's running down to the fucking kitchen of this guy's house to see if he killed himself. Because they appear to add like 19 frames in there at weird moments. Like as he's running down the stairs, he like trips and falls a bit and stumbles, but he gets back up. And somehow in that time, he like grew extra bones. Because it just looked so fucking weird. It looked fucking terrible and amazing. And after that, and after that, and people start to realize, oh wait, the death game is real. Um, the new order goes out where two characters, um, main uh, Nobuaki's best friend and some bitch, uh, they have to have a popularity contest, and whoever loses the popularity contest will be punished. So, some bitch uh, begins going around to all the go, begins going around to all the guys in the class and saying, "Hey, vote for me in the popularity contest, and I'll suck your dick." Naturally, that seems to work a bit. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, um, Nobuaki and his girlfriend at the time begin going around uh, helping out, just saying like, hey, vote for this dude. Come on. It'll be fun. And then they get there and start counting the ballots and Nobuaki's best friend wins. And so the girl, so some bitch throws herself out a window face first from the third story and just fucking... 
which again, I don't want to die, so I'll try to kill myself. This series has a very one-track mind. Yeah, so she lands, splat, but she's still alive. And then she gets a text message for the punishment, which is she has to confess to the person she loves. So while she's in the hospital, Nowaki's talking to his best buddy. And Nowaki says, I used a dark evil magic to win. I lied. Because he lied to the guys, just like, just like anybody she's up with. Like, hey, I'm pretty sure she'll slept with you. Vote against her or something bad will happen. And like lying and shit. And he considers that dark magic. Which is just fucking terrible. I'm sure it makes sense to someone. It doesn't. So I, no, I, I was being facetious. Yeah, I know, but still. So Nobuaki, his girlfriend, and his best buddy are hanging out at his house just before midnight when they get a text message saying that the girl has died, so she can no longer fulfill her requirements. Now the buddy has to. And his, the requirement changed, and the requirement got changed to fucking. So he has to have sex in the next 10 minutes or he'll die. So Nobuaki, not consulting his girlfriend at all, grabs his girlfriend and his buddy, throws them into a room and says, y'all gonna fuck. Obviously, the buddy is against this. He does not want to fuck his best friend's girlfriend. The girlfriend is just kind of confused by everything that's happening. I mean, I'm confused just listening to this. Yeah, so the girlfriend, so, uh, so the two, so no walking up the door, they kind of start talking a bit, and he's like, I don't want to do this, I love you both, this will ruin everything, we gotta fucking stop this. So, no walkie knocks him the fuck out, and his girlfriend rapes him while he's unconscious. And that fulfills the requirements. Well, that's pleasant. This series is terrible. And I yeah. kind of love it. It's the kind of terrible that makes me want to watch it with drunk people. Because I feel like we could have some fun with it. So this will be the last time I'll talk about it on the podcast, unless something especially stupid or interesting happens. And once the series is done, we will, by hook or by crook, be doing a doing the anime club for the King's Game, the animation. Because I need to share this with people. But I don't want people to watch it on their own. Because it's kind of not worth it that way. I don't know. I'm confused about my feelings about this. All I know is that this series is kind of terrible. But I want to watch it with people. So yeah. That's King's Game the Animation. It's dog shit. Wait to watch it until we release our commentary tracks for it. Oh. Yeah, I. <sighs> yeah, it's kind of all I got. Okay. There's like 10 minutes about the King's Game, and it is terrible and amazing at the same time. Once is once, like I said, once it's done wrapping up, we will actually be doing that. I, 
I've wanted to bring the anime club back for a while, and this seems like a very good candidate for that. For that, this seems like a very good candidate to honor by shitting on it. So yeah, stay tuned for that. But meanwhile, that's gonna do it for this week. Took a break and came back for ten minutes before going out of the show. Fuck it, why not? I I needed to talk about that series, and I couldn't without a glass of water. So anyway, thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another episode of the DeathStoreProds.com anime and manga podcast. And between now and then, though, we may read or watch something that isn't isekai. You never know. They apparently exist. Until then, though, I'm dead. I'm Birdie. And we will see you guys next time.